Blog Talk Radio. I'm so happy and ecstatic that we can start the conversation now to make sure there will no, never be another country talk by. In When They See Us Now, Oprah sits down with the five men, four African-American and one Hispanic, who were wrongfully convicted of raping a white woman in New York City's Central Park in 1989. The hour-long special is an accompaniment to When They See Us, the Netflix miniseries that tells the story of their trial and eventual exoneration. They said if I went along with it, that would go home, and that's all I wanted. It is better for me, because watching this is painful, mm. but it's necessary. Netflix US says the drama has been the most watched series on their platform ever since the day it premiered on May 31st. Now, the cast and producers discussed the making of the project, including Nisi Nash, who plays the mother of Corey Wise. You began your research to play Corey's mother, you were telling me this just last night, by calling Corey's mother. What was that conversation like? Her pain was so palpable. It was like right at the surface. It was tough. It was tough. And the show continues to make headlines. Following the heavy backlash for her role in the Central Park Five trial, prosecutor Linda Fairstein published an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal calling her portrayal an outright fabrication. She's portrayed in the miniseries by Felicity Huffman, who of course is embroiled in her own legal scandal, having pled guilty to mail fraud in the U.S. college admissions case. While much of the cast was submitted for Emmy consideration, Felicity was not one of them. Meanwhile, in a new Hollywood Reporter roundtable, director Ava DuVernay reveals she feared being pigeonholed to social justice stories following her success with Selma and the Netflix doc 13th. But she says ultimately she feels drawn to stories about truth. You're interested in these things and whether or not they put you in a pigeonhole in the industry or you become a role model or whatever, you like this and so do it for yourself. Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight, the two faces of Oprah Winfrey, an opportunist or just somebody that's had a change of heart, we beg to differ with the letter, that we look at the Central Park Five story, and whether you know it or not, Oprah Winfrey believed in the guilt of the Central Park Five. She's now taking center stage as one of the co-producers of the Netflix uh, sensation, if you will, on the Central Park Five Injustice. It's going to expose that side of Oprah Winfrey, and it's very important to know that you're either an advocate for justice or you're just a perpetrator of a fraud. This is AJC Radio. The two faces of Oprah Winfrey kicks off right now. There you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Cliff Stewart, Kendrick Barnes, Sapson Riddle, Dennis Merritt, and William Williams, and the entire AJC radio team. And uh, I'll tell you what, right now, folks, this is something that needs to be discussed. And Sapson, as we get, go down this path tonight, a lot of advocacy organizations 
wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole. Why? Because she's Oprah Winfrey. Justice is justice. Injustice is injustice. And I'll tell you what, mix no bones about it. This is something we're going to deal with tonight on a very serious level. Hey, absolutely. And you know what? I look forward to this conversation that we're going to have tonight. I look forward to all the articles that we're going to go over and just the history of this woman who's had a platform now. I mean, she had a platform for 25 years with her show, and now she has her own network. She has, she's had ample opportunity from the time that these young men were falsely imprisoned and accused of the crime they never committed. She could have spoke out then. She was big back then in 1989, 1990. She was still, you know, you couldn't turn on your TV without seeing and hearing about Oprah Winfrey. But now here it is now, you know, decades later, there is a miniseries coming out that's going to be very, I mean, it's already been proven, you know. It's, it's, we have people being nominated for awards because of a four-part miniseries. This is how much impact this is having. Now, to say that, you know, she's had a change of heart, I highly doubt it. She's more of a capitalist going out there and just trying to get money where she sees it and taking advantage, basically, again, of these young men. Well, here's the point. If there's a change of heart anywhere here, then there would have been an apology. That, if you don't own it, no pun intended, if you don't own it, well, it, it's highly questionable uh, what your motives and your intentions are. The question tonight, and we've been ready to start a series, when Hollywood remains silent in the face of injustice. Uh, we're going to be doing part two of this show and showing a pattern of abuse, if you will. And uh, you say abuse, isn't that a strong word? Absolutely not. The Central Park Five suffered huge abuse behind that wall. And Oprah Winfrey, I'll tell you right now, if you, and this is anybody out there who has the platform, I don't care whether you're Oprah Winfrey, whether you're Tyler Perry, whether you're somebody else in the mainstream Hollywood stratosphere, uh, I'll tell you right now, you have a responsibility to stand for justice. Now, if, that, if that's not what you're about, well, don't perpetrate a fraud as if you care. We got Oprah Winfrey building schools in Africa, and I have nothing against that. God bless the African children, the communities out there that need help. We're all good with that. But what do you do? And the question tonight is the social media blitz has started on this topic. The question is this. Where were you, Oprah Winfrey, when our African-American men were being shot on the streets of America by law enforcement without a cause? I didn't hear your voice then. I didn't see an interview then with the families of those that were killed. Where were you then, Miss Winfrey? Where were you when a man was choked out in New York City by law enforcement and he couldn't breathe because he was selling cigarettes? or CDs on a corner, and they strangled this man to death. Where were you, Oprah Winfrey, then? Or do we simply wait for an opportunity that I can get in the limelight? And that's why the question was, opportunist or somebody that's for real? I I guarantee you it's an opportunist. And she made that bed. She's got to lay in it. William. You know, as you were talking, the big thing that really stands out to me is the fact that she has such a platform. I mean, she launched, you know, many different shows. Other people have become celebrities because of her endorsement. I mean, from books to uh, Dr. Phil McGraw and, others, and, uh, and so many others. But why did she not take the opportunity 
to use that platform to expose the injustice that we've seen in our country. And that's the point. It's like, why do you, why, you have this opportunity? You have a daily TV show that you could be addressing these things, and you don't do it. And then here, we've, we've waited so long. You know, this, we're 2019. Why did she not talk to these guys earlier? Why was the interview not done earlier? Why did she not investigate? You know, just being a mouthpiece there for the people that need it. And that, you know, that's the thing that really stands out. So, yes, she's an opportunist. Well, the bottom line is, and you can say what you want, we're going to deal with this on our next show. Where did Oprah take the turn in the road? Or was this Oprah Winfrey from the beginning? From the beginning. We're talking about whether you're talking about O.J. Simpson. You can have whatever thoughts you want on that. You can have any opinion you want to have on that. Michael Jackson. You railroaded this man who was not convicted of a crime. You had him years ago on your show. Why? Because when you bring Michael Jackson on your show, Oprah, back then, many years ago, your ratings are going to shoot up because the king of pop is on your show. But in the time of crisis, in the time when this man's life was at the lowest point that it could ever be, not only did you become silent, you waited until they buried him, and you degraded a dead man who is beloved by millions, and he's not even there to defend himself. These are the things. So if you, again, we're focusing tonight. You're going to hear more about the Central Park Five. We're going to play that tonight for you. The huge suffering and what happened to these men. And we're going to relate that to where was Oprah Winfrey. And I, we're going to read comments from social media that was blowing up. And I, people are outraged. One person says here, wanting to watch when they see us interview, but not wanting to watch Oprah's bandwagon expletive, pretend she wasn't against the Central Park Five in the past, and use her platform to vilify other innocent black men. Example, Michael Jackson for a dollar. That comes for Virgo Queen uh, on Twitter. I'll tell you what, that's one of many comments people are saying. What are you doing, Oprah? Are you trying to get back to be the queen of daytime television? Well, CNN's got your beat on that one. You're not going to win that this time. But the fact that you would take the time to do this, and not only did you not have compassion, these were children. These were children. She interviewed the jogger. Uh, we're going to go into that interview. We're going to read some experts from that. Um, nothing against the jogger who was attacked. She's an innocent victim. Was She was attacked, brutally assaulted. And please don't take what we're saying tonight that we have any less feeling for the victim in this situation. But to exploit these young boys who are men now and act like you're riding on the high mountain that you're doing what you needed to do to let this story be told. But when they were being assaulted behind prison walls and beaten and abused, your voice and your presence was nowhere to be found, Miss Oprah Winfrey. Dennis, your thoughts? Yes, yeah, as, as we get ready to uh, delve into this, I tell you, uh, I, I looked at both sides. And what got me was... Uh, I, I would truly have to label uh, her, Oprah as an opportunity because when everybody was against these young men, she jumped on the side of the jogger. 
But then when everything came out and all of a sudden it looks as though these young men are innocent, now she's on the side of the uh, of these young men. But what's sad about it, if I was the Central Park Five or the Joggers, I'd be kind of pissed off because you used me just to get your name out there, just to, 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 to make it look as though you really were concerned. But now, who, who are you for? Who, 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 uh, are, are these men innocent or are they not? What, what, what are you saying, uh, Oprah? But I guarantee you she's, she really doesn't have nothing to say because tonight we're going to make sure that America understands that this, this woman is a true opportunist. She took advantage of the jogger and she took advantage of the RP. I mean the uh, Central Park uh, Five, just to get her name out there and to make it look like uh, she was concerned for them. No, absolutely right. And I'll tell you right now, uh, we're going to deal with that issue. The show entitled tonight, The Two Faces of Oprah Winfrey. And some folks are probably going to push back. But I'll tell you what, equally, the people that are pushing back against Oprah Winfrey, because it is a travesty. And... People are seeing exactly Oprah Winfrey for who she is. Is this young lady capable of caring? Or is it about the next buck? One of the most used phrases in 2018 was, it is what it is. Tonight we use it again. It is what it is. Oprah Winfrey, the two faces of a lady that is not as it appears, but looking for an opportunity to put herself on the stage. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. So most people don't understand the importance of exercising and eating right. Most people think it's about getting super buff or eating grass to keep that perfect bod, but to those who believe that are wrong. Exercising regularly and getting the right balance of nutritious food leads to a common diagnosis known as healthy. Now, healthy may sound mainstream and boring, but it's real. It improves your immune system to prevent sickness, boosts self-confidence and controls body weight, gives you energy, and improves your overall happiness. So next time you think that's not bad, think again and be the best you you can be. There's a lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off in school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because we don't speak the language, it might be hard for me to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words. History is important because it shows where you're coming from and where you're going. Type 2 diabetes is something that runs in my family, which means I'm at risk. In fact, one in three American adults are at risk for developing type 2 diabetes. And knowing this, if I do nothing, that family history becomes my family's future. And my family is too important to me for that. 
Take the risk factor assessment today at AskGreenNo.com. We have a big problem, and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters. Our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening and I was taught, you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I'd speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us put an end to sexual assault and that starts with you because one is too many a bart police officer who shot and killed a man when i first saw the oscar Grant footage like a lot of people here in oakland i was outraged as soon as i heard about it and i went online and i seen what had happened tears came down my eyes it was something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of oakland it was like such a blatant Murder. You have a city in trauma. Anyone that's seen that and looks at it is in trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence. We cannot perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence in this community. Because we do have to live here and they terrorize the city and it's only going to make it worse for us. They killed our young you can protest, you can try to make a change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And make sure we let the police know and that we're aware that stuff ain't right out here. We're trying to fix it. In a way that is about using your voice for justice and making Oakland a safer place for everyone to live and get along as one. Violence is not just Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, Life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that. Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today, 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room, to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. We know you care. Now is time. Time to change the face of justice. Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent? The incidence of youth and minority offenders facing trials have exploded. Youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be. 
We must represent for people to get fair trials. If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service. If you're 18, a U.S. citizen with a state ID or driver's license, and registered to vote, you're eligible to be called for jury duty. If called and selected, make it your duty to serve. We can't get justice without you. Change. 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 Change the face of justice. Check your local county or state jury service website for further details. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio. Tonight, the two faces of Oprah Winfrey. And I'll tell you what, we've only been into this show about 20 minutes, 25 minutes right now. And it is very upsetting uh, that someone takes the stage uh, as an advocate. And you're exactly the opposite of that. Uh, during the break, we were talking about that Oprah Winfrey, I guess, made a statement that the Central Park Five need to be called now the exonerated five. Well, what gives you the right to say what they need to be called, period? In my opinion, based upon your egregious actions and your failure to act and still to this day will not apologize. For your assumption of guilt on these young boys. Uh, that is as sick as it gets, but it, it speaks to the arrogance of Oprah Winfrey. My, my, like I said before, all you got to do is own what you did. People are more apt to give you the benefit of the doubt. Just own it. But you, you come up here like you're this savior to these men because you co-produced the Central Park Five story on Netflix. And the question is, why did you get involved with that? Why did you have to be on the co-producer? Uh, the, the young lady who wrote the, who actually produced it, uh, Ava uh, DuVernay, uh, she deserves the credit. I've listened to her. I've heard her speak about the Central Park Five. Her passion is what fuels this. But that's just how society works. If I got enough money, if I think I'm big enough, I'll just throw my name on it and get behind it and say, well, Oprah Winfrey, you're a joke. You're a joke, Samson. No, I, I absolutely agree. I was in here actually reading an article, um, and the author said, he goes on to say, you know, towards the bottom of it that, you know, until she actually steps up, like you were saying, she owns her portion of, you know, rallying behind the, the the unfounded guilt of these young men that they're just going to take anything that she does as disingenuous. Like, they're not going to believe her fully. I mean, like we talked about, social media is blowing up left and right about her, about, you know, oh, she just wants to get involved because, you know, there's money to be made. Because, I mean, even here in her magazine, you know, we talked about, you know, during the break, she interviewed the jogger in 2002. Now, this was just a few months before these guys were exonerated and released. The last of them released, but she was talking about how she she would she was still harboring 
uh, resentment and stuff like that, and all she did was read about it. Now, the jogger in her interview was ready to just let things go and, you know, that be that. But she's like, A, it didn't even happen to you. B, you are obviously and blatantly bandwagoning because it's going to get your name out there in the paper. Now here it comes 17 years later. Now it's time to jump the fence. There's more money to be made on the other side. The grass is greener over there. There's, you know, there's things to be done. I can get my name back out there because obviously I'm starting to fade from the limelight. Let me get myself back out there. Like you said, let me throw some money at this because I got plenty and get my name, you know, back in the spotlight, back in publicity, back where I can start bankrolling some more off the lives of somebody else. Unbelievable. Kendrick. Yeah. And, and one thing that really bugs me about this is Oprah Winfrey has, and at the time in 2002, she did her interview, she had her own magazine. And television show. Now these are staffed with people that all their job is to do is research, to get to get the to get the truth. Why didn't she send these people to go out and say, you know what? Before I do a story, let me get the whole story. Let me get everything. Don't I don't want to get on a on a on on a magazine and she interviews the jogger Tris Mielli, which again, which was tragic, what happened to her? Yes. But why was it this one-sided? view of the story as if the controversy of what happened to these young men was not there. You don't address that they were underage, that they they were interviewed by police officers without their parents in the room, that the evidence did not support what happened. Tris Miele does not remember what happened. So then, why didn't you send your vast resources of researchers to say, you know what, before I get out there, let me tell both sides of the story. Right. Because O Magazine is being looked at as a new it's a news periodical. I mean it's it's doing, you know, it has lifestyle things in it, but people are going to read this magazine and take what you say is true. They're going to take so why take a biased side early on, right? And not say, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to do an article on Trish Miele, get her side of the story." But why not do use that platform also to say, "Hey, let's look deeper into the Central Park 5 story before now, after Exoner, it's real easy now to jump onto the bandwagon and say, hey, uh, oh, I knew all along they were innocent. But I can, I'm, one thing I'm glad for, I'm glad that the men get the chance to tell the story because they probably just don't care who tells it. But I still would be, like, curious, and I would have asked her, I mean, where were you in 2002 and before when we went through this suffering? We finished the suffering. Her voice alone could have got people, if maybe – just thinking, maybe something is wrong here. Maybe something could have changed right. earlier. Maybe this could have prevented a lot of other things happening. Well, they make the statement here, and William, I'm coming to you here in a moment. Jerome Gerald writes, y'all make Oprah the face of black excellence when she's the biggest sellout we got. This is social media. She pushed the narrative that the Central Park Five were guilty before they were exonerated. Now she's interviewing them. How dare she? She's clearly too big to be called out. Well, not on this show, she's not. She's not too big to be called out here. William, go ahead. Well, you know, even to that point, that story was so huge. I mean, there were multiple uh, ads taken out in four different newspapers in New York City. It was a huge story. So it's not like she could, she did not hear about it or, or was, you know, oblivious to what no. was going on. And so to, to Kendrick's point, she had ample opportunity to do this. And the thing that really stands out to me is, why is it 17 years later, after these men have been exonerated, do you want to seize the opportunity 
to make, you know, to publicize this. This was this have impacted these men tremendously. And we've talked, we've had clips on it and I'm sure we're going to have some more. But you why wait? Why wait? It was it was the tragedy then of injustice and now it's still the same. And to Kendrick's point, they just wanted to get their story out. Where were you? Even in 2002, after you did the interview with the jogger and they and they were their sentences were vacated, they were exonerated. Where were you then? She was nowhere to be found. And, and look, we're not just picking on Oprah. This is the truth of the matter. These are facts here. This is something that you have to address. Let's hear a little bit. As I said to our listening audience when we started this show, we're going to take you down the road of, the, of what these young men suffered. What they suffered was horrific. We cannot just bypass. Oprah Winfrey is about the fluff, the jello and the cake. Not about the meats and the potatoes of this story, which was a tragedy that these young men went as kids, were caught up in a system where they were believed and tried by the jury and convicted before they ever stepped into a courtroom. Oprah Winfrey is culpable, culpable in her failure to speak to the issue and to take a stand. You know why she couldn't take a stand? Because she was about her money, about her business, had nothing to do with justice. And if you don't call out the folks that are doing it, it gives people an excuse to sit back and remain silent. You're not allowed that. When injustice is seen, you need to attack it. You need to call it out. Why are we in the situation as a country as we are right now? Because people that have a platform refuse to speak to the injustice suffered by people in this nation. And isn't that the point? These, these the Central Park Five were poor uh, minorities, underage, and they have no voice. So the, the point is when you're rich and you have the platform, they sit back and say nothing and do nothing. You, you have the access, but now when they're on top of the world, it's like I'm going to use that same access to exploit these men further, get richer, stand next to them on stage and look like I am the champion of, of justice. Yes. And But the first thing you should have did when you walked down that stage is ask for forgiveness from those five. Exactly right. But she's not going to do it. Let's hear a little bit more about the Central Park Five. One night in Central Park that changed a nation. This morning, the woman jogger was found unconscious and bleeding by two men passing by at about 2 o'clock this morning. We're told she was taken to Metropolitan Hospital where she's being treated for a fractured skull and a serious loss of blood. A young woman had been brought in who was pretty close to death. Uh, she had blunt trauma. Uh, they didn't know if she would survive. She looked like a little waif in the bed. No one knew who she was yet. I will never forget that day. I have seen traumatized patients many, many times, but I have never seen somebody like destroyed. This is the cheekbone, and this was crushed severely. Her body was just so swollen, unrecognizable, really. My left eye socket had been crushed in, and the force of that blow was so strong that my eyeball exploded into the thin plates of my orbital floor. And when that happened, the entire cheekbone 
falls inward. And then I had several skull fractures and there were deep lacerations. We all know what rape is. I mean, everybody knows what that is and describe it. But there's nothing like seeing something like this, the atrocity of such an act. This morning, detectives walked through the woods picking up evidence from a jogger's night of terror. We ended up with five arrests. Uh, two of the five were Kevin Richardson and Raymond Santana. The detectives who were handling it asked me to hang on to them so that they can interview them. I heard a phone ring, and that's when the detective told me to come to the precinct to get my sign. Went to the desk and I asked him, I said, where's my sign? And uh, he said, well, we're doing some paperwork, and you can see him shortly. They came to my house around 3 o'clock in the morning, and when we got there, um, I see my son inside a room with other kids locked in the room. We had to go back out and start getting more of the kids that were involved in the attack. That included Yusuf Salam, Corey Weiss, and Antron McCray. But by the evening of the 20th, we had all five in custody. I'm looking for my son. Yeah. Where was it? He's been in the precinct. They took it from him after school. I was out here with a whole bunch of other reporters and cameras, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting for information because in those early hours, there was an investigation going on behind closed doors. There was intense pressure to solve the case. This was the crime that had to be solved. Over the course of the next couple of days, there are these interrogations at length. Here we are at the 20th Precinct on the upper west side of Manhattan, where police are still questioning some of the young suspects they believe were involved in last night's attack. Those who are 14 and 15 are supposed to have a parent or guardian present, and largely they do, but then even the parents, I think, are pretty naive about what's going on. They were telling us that Kevin is going to come home with us that he's a good boy. They know he didn't do anything. And they used us. They used our lack of knowledge of the justice system against us. And, and, and our trusting in them, they used it against us. We had all these kids now in custody. And they were, they were all starting to talk and give stories about what happened. The cops are doing what cops do, which is in these investigations, they can lie. They can say they know more than they do. They can say they've got evidence that implicates a suspect trying to get him to confess. They did all of those things. So these interrogations, they're, they're not recorded in any way, right? They're not even written down. These are not my rules. These are the rules I was handed. And that's what we play by. I really didn't know what. My mind just felt like scrambled legs. I really didn't know what was going on. I just wanted to get the hell home. When I was in the room, I didn't know what was going on. I just know I didn't have to do anything. The lead investigator in my case, he became fed up and he slammed his fist on the table. He didn't give me what I wanted and he lunged at me. If you take an individual that's 15 years old and you put that individual in a room by themselves with two to four to six officers, some of them wanting to attack you that individual will be terrified. It could be almost tantamount to someone having a gun to your head. The cops were proud that they did what cops do. 
which is they told team one that number two and number three were implicating one, so you better get out ahead of this. They told team four that there was evidence that had been found, and if you don't get out in front, you're going to be implicated. I didn't know who did it. Um, I just know I didn't do it, so I was just trying to get everybody back. I was just blaming whoever. You know, um, that's how I went. That's how I went for me. And he's like, well, do you know Kevin Richardson? I said, no, I don't. never seen him before. You know, and he says, well, you know, we know he did it. And so when Detective Harder can produce the picture of Kevin, it was just about me getting out of it. All of these kids, and in many cases their parents, believed that they would get to go home if they implicated other people, if they were helpful in the right way, and they were desperate to get out of that room. No detective of mine would ever say anything like that. You're going to go home. And with a crime like this, never. They played the parents against each other. They said, okay, well, we know he didn't do anything, but Yusuf Salam said he did this. So then you feel like, well, okay, he has to defend himself. So they played us against each other. They played the boys against each other. And they made up all of these stories to get their arrest and their conviction. How do you coerce somebody when he's sitting there with his parents? Okay. There's no coercion. None of those detectives of their caliber would have to resort to walking anyone into a confession. The words are their words. We don't put words in people's mouths. This interrogation went on and on and on. Whether or not you believe that there were coercive tactics, the amount of time itself that these teens had to spend in that interrogation room could in and of itself have caused them to say anything to get out of there. It is now 3.30 in the morning on the morning of April 21st of 1989. In the early hours of the morning on the second day, under questioning, the teenagers make a fateful decision. They decide to start talking on videotape. This is my first rape. I never did this before this school room the last time doing it. That decision would haunt them all the way to the courthouse. You know, there you have it. I'm curious to know how naive or just in plain denial the officers in that interview how naive are you? You're talking about we felt proud to interrogate children. You understand that? They're boasting and arrogant that we, we felt proud. We don't have to put words in people's mouths. It's done every single day in a, at a precinct, at an interrogation room, every single day. Please, someone tell me what makes your police department or your precinct officer any different. You basically... Coerced children. And you're going to make a statement that, oh, uh, why would we coerce somebody in front of their parents? Because they don't have a knowledge of the process. But first, secondly, the parents weren't present. 
when you first brought these kids in? Parents weren't present. Yeah, and see, that that's a lot of the details that they, they leave out. They, they want, like you said, they want to boast about how, how well, you know, behaved their officers are, how dignified they are and everything else like that. But the fact of the matter is, is it's, it's just a bold-faced lie. They're trying to sweep this thing under the rug like they do, like you said, each and every day around this country. These guys, I mean, they beat minors. They beat on them to get a confession. They talked their parents in circles, which is a common police tactic that, unfortunately, because of this case, is now legal in many states. It is legal to lie to a minor to garner a confession out of them. And here's the point, Samson, on that point. You have an officer saying, bragging, we will tell a, uh, we'll lie to these kids, we'll tell them we got evidence against them, against children. Right. So they're thinking as you begin to build this up, their thought is, man, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of Yes, I did it. We'll let you go home. But the officers are not speaking to that issue while he's bragging about the the dignity of his officers. Explain to the American people how you have a child sitting here telling them, we're going to let you go home. Just tell us what we want to hear. That we'll punch you in your mouth, break your nose, give you a black eye in interrogation while you're bragging about your officers. You're not allowed to do that. No. You're not allowed to assault a minor. An adult you can assault to get a confession. What makes you think that's okay? No, and it, it goes back to the arrogance of these, these people. And, I mean, like you said, just them bragging and everything and the conditions these kids were under. I mean, they didn't speak to, you know, oh, yeah, we held them in, in the you. interrogation room for 24 hours or so. That, you know, oh, yeah, we, we coerced their parents to leave the room so we could isolate the child. Once again, with multiple adults, they don't tell about that. They, what they tell about is, oh, we got the confession. That's all they. That's when you, when you hear them brag. That's where their that's where their intentions truly lie. And never did you see them say, you know what? Uh, what this would be a great idea. Let the parent and the child sit in the room alone, and let the parent ask the child what happened. So you're sitting there with a 14 through 16 year old kid in there and saying. Oh, they, they wouldn't do that from the parents. They're 14 and 16. Remember back when you were that age and people were asking you questions. Did you know what was going on? You wouldn't say anything at that age. Well, then, yes, thank you. Go ahead, Kenneth. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I think the point I'm making is he's, he's acting like these are knowledgeable adults in the room who understood the consequences and who understood what was going on totally. They, they were just – they wanted to go home. That's all they kept saying. That's all they want. I want to go home. Okay, what do you want me to say? They're kids. And they're caught up in a scandal bigger than they can begin to comprehend or wrap their hands around. They're saying, so you want to sit there and say, well, the officers are allowed to lie. They're allowed to lie about evidence. That's coercion. That's what you're doing. Dennis. As we were talking, I I kept hearing kids, child. They were not looked at. As kids, they was they was not looked at as children. They were looked at as black men. There you go. And and that's how the prosecutor described them. Yes. She never once called them kids or children. These were black men, regardless of race. I mean, regardless of age. 
And that's the sad thing about this whole thing. The police, the, the prosecutors, they never looked at these, these young men as children. They never put the two together, 14 to 16. They, that, that never crossed their mind, I guarantee you. Well, it was all about these black men raped a white woman, and they need to pay the price for it. Well, and that's what it was about. That's and, why they couldn't see. And Oprah Winfrey. You all right with this? Oprah Winfrey. The one make, giving a bunch of good and fuzzy warm hugs after an interview with these, with these five men. Where, again, I'm going to ask the question. Where's your voice on this injustice? Well, I would say she was all right with it. Because if you, if you just read one of the excerpts she, she did from her 2002 interview of Trisha Mielli. After This is her, I quote, after you were raped, sodomized, beaten with a pipe, dragged, and left for dead, you can honestly say that you looked at these boys in the courtroom at Harvard, no resentment. That's baiting Trisha Mielli. Exactly right. Trisha Mielli don't know what happened. She does not know. She so was, put it in her mind. Yeah, you're putting this in her mind. This is what Oprah thought about 14 and 16-year-old kids. By her own words. Her own words. So you're going to interview the – basically, how can you not resent these black men? That's what, that's what she's asking because I do. Doesn't take a genius to figure that out. This is the Oprah Winfrey who sits on a stage on her talk show. Wiping tears from her eye because she is so moved with emotion to make an impact on America. Really? I presume your acting days in Hollywood did you well here. You're an actress. Nothing real here. If you see these men for what they went through as kids, and to listen to this story, if you was really honestly, sincerely, as the story reads, I'm going to read that to you on the other side of the break, a change of heart or an opportunist, nothing would have kept you from falling to your knees saying, guys, please forgive me. I'm sorry. That would be the human thing to do. That would be the right thing to do. Absolutely. That's true. She fails to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, the two faces of Oprah Winfrey. We are painting a picture. Make no mistake about it. It is not an illusion. It is reality that Oprah Winfrey has one face for the public, another behind closed doors. And the reality is this. Who is she? She's not the personality that America fell in love with on the Oprah Winfrey show. That's a performance. It's kind of harsh, Lamont, don't you think? Absolutely not. I can tell you what is harsh. The assault and abuse of five children in a criminal justice system that went wrong. And as Dennis alluded to very clearly, because these were black men in the eyes of a racist prosecutor, Linda Ferristein. And note this. Ramsey Five writes this on Twitter. Oprah is a sellout. 
She stood by Linda Fairstein's book that recently came out in 2019. But you're on Netflix? Give me a break. This is AJC Radio calling out the two faces of Oprah Winfrey tonight on AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Odds of becoming an astronaut, 1 in 13,200,000. Odds of being struck by lightning, 1 in 576,000. Odds of dating a supermodel, 1 in 88,000. Odds of bowling a perfect game, 1 in 11,500. Odds of being trapped in an elevator, 1 in 24,528. Odds of catching a ball at a major league game, 1 in 563. Odds of an injury from shaving, 1 in 6,585. Odds of tripping while texting, 1 in 10. Odds of getting cancer in your lifetime, 1 in 2 men, 1 in 3 women. It's up to us to change the odds for our generation, for the ones we love, for our future. If you don't like the odds, stand up. Stand up to cancer. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855 525-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. The criminal justice system has a set of rights created to protect you. But do you think it's really protecting us? You had a right to remain silent, but that really means you had a right to be silent, doubted, interrogated, suspected. The color of your skin can and will be used against you in the court of law. In their hands, we're incarcerated five times more often than white people convicted for the same crimes. You have a right to attorney during questioning. In some states, 80% 80% of criminal defendants can't even afford an attorney. So an overworked public defender controls your fate. One government employee, countless lives at stake. You had a right to be innocent until proven guilty. But somehow, about 47% of the wrongly convicted are black. And if they do prove you're guilty, they're going to write you a run-on sentence, on average 20% longer than white defendants accused of the same crime. Even if you get out, you're still not free. When you're ex-con, they had a right to deny you a bank account, deny you a mortgage, deny you a job, deny your vote. And if you don't remain perfect with the smallest slip-up, smallest infraction, the most honest mistake, you're going to join us, the 80% who come back to prison within five years, as I did. That's when you realize They didn't bring us here to thrive. They brought us here to build this. 
The plantation and the prison are actually no different. The past is the present. It ain't no coincidence. This was the plan since abolition, to keep us subjugated by creating this system. But I believe in a different set of rights. The right to stand up and be heard. The right to reform a broken justice system and build a new future. We had the right to be silent. Now it's our right to speak up. Do you understand these rights as I read them to you? Say goodbye to affordability and say hello to losing control. Discover Price Gougesol, the latest outrageously expensive drug from Big Pharma. It's impossible to afford and reverses the ability to pay other bills. Because drug companies raise prices to pay for commercials like this one, side effects may include overdrawn bank accounts, bad credit scores, higher health care costs, children who don't get Christmas presents, and in some cases, the need to stop taking your medicine. If you experience any of these side effects, contact your financial advisor right away. Out-of-control drug costs are no joke. Yet nine of the 10 biggest pharma companies spend more on advertising than research and development. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit csrxp.org. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight. Is I'll tell you right now that this is what advocacy is about. You don't always do what's popular, but you do what's right. And I'll tell you what, if advocates do not stand against this type of hypocrisy in our society, the problem gets worse and worse. Uh, We will continue to address these issues. And here's the point. There are a lot of people in Hollywood that are doing a lot of good things when it comes to the justice system. Uh, Kim Kardashian being one of them really seeking out to bring justice to a lot of people and has been effective uh, at what she has done. As we start this series, a very short series is that, but the uh, when Hollywood remains silent in the face of injustice, we will also point out those that have not remained silent. There are a number of people in Hollywood who we commend for their fight uh, against injustice, and we will also be highlighting them uh, as well. Uh, on this program. But tonight we deal with a very serious issue. Um, Kendrick, you made a good point earlier that people, just because Oprah's name is on it, will, uh, just because Oprah's name is on an issue, people tend to listen. That's important. It's, It's very important. And it's about what are you speaking about? Because if you know I can get instant ears to just consider, then take that time to speak about real issues, something uh, – and as I wear folks on, on justice and injustice, not to just pander, not to just, hey, this is, just happened. Let's run after it. But you could be on the forefront if you were like had a voice like Oprah. You'll be on the forefront of, hey, this is what's happening. But why not use that power to help instead of just build your own self up? Well, look, it takes a little more 
than giving a car away on your show. While you're giving people's cars away, giving people cars, nothing wrong with acts of kindness. That's fine. What's your motive? What's your motive with that? So while you're giving away cars, you got five kids behind the wall that your voice could have possibly, without question, made a difference. Or were you too busy? Or were you too worried about ratings? Were you too worried about, I don't want to lose some of my white community? Or, more importantly, her sponsors. Exactly right. Let's not deal with that. that that's controversial. Let's not deal with that, folks. Oprah, no, don't do that. Really? While these young men suffer behind the wall. And if you have no concept of what happens behind the wall, that's a big deal. We're talking about the brutal rape of kids. Pent down and raped against their will. Why you are too busy to talk about their plight and be a voice for those that suffer injustice. But you had ratings to get, Oprah. We're not going to mess with the ratings. Not while grown men suffer, and that's equally as bad. A higher travesty is is worse. What is worse? The fact that the voices of many people are silenced as a result of somebody who has a platform that refuses to speak because they follow their lead. Well, if Oprah's not talking about it, why should I? People think people are that narrow-minded. we got to deal with that. Will, you had a comment. I believe we're going to have a call here in a moment. Will, go ahead. Well, you know, as Kendrick was talking, I was, one of the things is, I mean, at least when you have a national platform like that, you have an opportunity to let the truth be known instead of some local media putting a spin on the story. And I think that was, that's, a, that's another thing. It was like, you know, these guys needed someone to hear instead of someone. I mean, because at that time, it was, it was so much, you know, public outcry of what was going on that, you know, a lot of the truth probably got washed away. People were putting positive, their spins on it or whatever. These guys are guilty. Look at them. You know, whatever. It's an opportunity for you just to say, listen, the truth needs to be made known. And so that's that's another thing when you're I mean, because she was so large at that time. I mean, nationwide, uh, just this media platform that could that was there that could have been used. And uh, it's amazing that she went straight to the jogger. I mean, even though it was it was tragic, true. But, you know, years later. Here we are with the with the Central Park Five. Their, their voices and their stories is finally being heard. But she had opportunity then, and I think that's the big thing. It really stands out to me. Okay, and uh, thanks, William, for that. Um, right now we got a caller. Pastor Banks is on the line. Pastor Banks, go ahead. Yes, thanks for taking my call. I was sitting here this evening as I'm listening to you. Uh, the senator during that time was Al D'Amato. In New York, you would think that somebody would stop for a minute and think 
should not we be looking into this fact? Why are these guys guilty and never went to trial? They've never been, never been to trial. You've been accused of something. But uh, what bothers me is not only Oprah Winfrey silence, but where were all the civil rights advocates? Where were they? Why didn't we hear something from them asking questions and quit looking at these men, um, I mean, as these boys as men, because if you look at them as men, you're not going to give them a fair shake, but you should even if they were men. But these are black boys. We're, these ages, I think, range from 10 to 16 or 14 or whatever. I can't remember the exact amount. But these were really kids. Yes. And so, so my thing, my thing is, okay, where's all the civil rights people to say we need to look into this? Why, why is everybody so quiet? But this will always continue. And you know what? We better wake up for the simple fact what they did behind closed doors to these boys is happening every day in the in the prisons of America behind that wall. And nobody is inquiring. Nobody's asking questions. Nobody brings it to the light. All the injustice that's going on in this country every single day. There are some more Central Five people just like those boys that we don't even know about that's being beaten and tortured and told, you better say this and lie to. And then if you say, they told me to say this, our police don't do that. No, our people would never do such a thing. Our prosecutors would never do that. You know what? Long as we believe that, we'll never be a, see a change in this country. You got to understand these people are not infallible. These people are people who can do wrong, who can lie like all of us. They're no different. We choose whether we're going to be honest and fair, and whether we're going to love people regardless of their skin color. But when I look at this, I'm thinking, okay, why was everybody so quiet? This was a national story everywhere. We didn't hear from Al Sharpton, which I didn't expect to, because he's a, a FBI informant. You know, he help, he's not the help of the black people. And then where's Jesse Jackson? Where's all these people that were part of the movement of justice in America? And Martin Luther King, we haven't had a voice since Martin Luther King got killed. Everybody's so quiet. Nobody says nothing. They're going to keep on doing our children like this. The black men and women of this country are being done this way behind the wall, and nobody cares. Some way, somehow, if we don't speak up, if we don't have a voice in this country, not one person is going to stop from is going to is going to stop from being a being abused or whatever. These people are not going to stop. There's a sickness in this country when it comes to human life, human beings. We can murder a person on death row and think nothing about it. It's just another day. Sometimes they rejoice over it. It's the weirdest thing. I'm trying to understand where is the compassion. Am I? Do I think people that commit crimes should pay for their crime? I do believe that. But I do believe it is you don't have the right to abuse people. But if you're going to charge them with a crime and they've done wrong and what have you, they have a right to pay for that. But there's a justice that should be shown in this case, in all cases throughout this country. So when I look at that, I feel so sick inside. God, we got so many people in this country, black people, who could have had 
had a voice and say nothing. I say what I'm about to say now, a lot of people don't agree with me. I believe black people were enslaved because they allowed themselves to be enslaved. I think because all the masters of that day and time, they were few in number. But they were scared of the master. And when they could have pulled together, they could have won. That could have been a, a war they could have won. But, you know, they stand back. They don't say, we, we talk something behind closed doors, but we don't say nothing not in public. And Oprah's voice is, is, was, I mean, back in the day, was not going to be heard unless it was white. Because her whole base is white. So I'm not going to offend my base. That's the same thing with, with Donald Trump in the White House right now. His base, his base, is constantly talking about his base. Well, she had a white base. And she said what they wanted her to say. She wasn't going to mess up that career. But I'm thinking, come on, where are the black people? Our biggest problem in this country with black people are not white people. It's black people. We don't stick together. We don't, we don't unite as one. You cannot break down any anything that's united because his power is strength. You don't see it anymore. Everybody, well, it's not my kid. It's not my, my husband. It's not my wife or my family member. And so for the most part, it's a, it's a tragedy. And I've never seen such silence in this country with this kind of abuse. And they talked about them as if they were men. And they knew, they knew automatically from the evidence that was shown. No evidence, period, on any of these guys. And you still let a white jury find them guilty. How do we do that? Somewhere, somehow, may God have mercy on America. Because we're not an example to other countries. We, this is horrible. That we let this happen to your own citizens. And we're talking about kids. Had they, they didn't even think or consider a white boy, a Hispanic boy, or anybody in that park. She said, bring in all, any black male in that park is a suspect. White black. White black. White people get, white men rape. Hispanics, Mexicans. It's not got anything to do with their ethnicity. The bottom line is, why is it that any black male in that park? Well, let me explain something to you. What makes you think in this country your white women have that kind of value? I, I speak for black women. There's some good black women in this country. We don't have to rape white women. We got black women everywhere that we can have relationships with and what have you. Do some blacks rape? Yes. Do some whites rape? Yes. But when you when you stereotype us to say any black male in that park is a suspect, that is racism in the highest level. We have we have slavery going on in this country right now. It is no different from way back when. But the same thing is happening. They are destroying black people and poor people and any type of minority and. People that can't afford to even uh, even defend themselves. This is this is this is high crime here. What in the world is America coming to? We can just kill people and beat people like that and put these boys in prison and and destroy them. 
$14 million was absolutely not not worth one penny. Because what they did to this boy, if they gave him $100 million, it couldn't fix the scars they will bear for the rest of their lives. And I can't even imagine what their families went through. I can't even imagine. Because some mothers and those fathers were, were literally dying to see their sons treated this way. And then... And then Donald Trump said, kill him. You don't even have any evidence that these, no evidence, none. And you still find them guilty? God, what's this country coming to? It's a sad time for our country. It's really a sad time. Where are the black people in this country that you can sit in your home, live your life, do what you want to do, while your black brothers and sisters are being killed and shot on the streets and beaten and, and, and thrown in prison and stopped by police officers. And I'm not saying all police officers are bad because I don't believe that, but they're all bad in some of every, every occupation in life. You got bad, you got good. We need to weed the bad out and keep the good. It's uncomprehendable. And until these people... Are, are sent to prison for the crime they commit against five boys. Everybody that was a part of that should be going to prison. Everybody. Give them, just send a few to prison. You'll never see this again. But nobody's crying out against it. What a tragedy. Thanks for taking my call. And thank you, Pastor Banks. Good point. Uh, it's a tragedy. It is a as uh, Pastor Banks alluded to, it's it's a it's a sickness that you have no feeling for the innocent. And I go back. We get outraged when our kids are attacked or our children are hurting. How could we get it? They did this to children. As she says here, where's the outcry from the African American community that continues to remain silent? I'll tell you right now, you don't have the right to remain silent in the face of injustice. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experience some of the same things. With a big brother Big brothers will always be big brothers Right? I'm sure you'll agree Well my brother gets up in the morning He takes a shower Heads to work And at some point during the day He's going to exercise And get that workout As we all do And of course depending on what's going on He's going to sit down for two Or three meals During the course of his day And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff? But he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. 
But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. I wanted to be in the military since I was since I was a kid. I served in the United States Air Force. I served a total of 16 years. I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die. Coming back, I was raging. I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless. I guess I never recognized it in myself. Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. You got to find that link with somebody. It'll make you let it go. It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back, so you owe it to them to live well, because they're not here with their families. How often does our justice system get it wrong, convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit? A new project by the University of Michigan Law School and the Center for Wrongful Convictions at Northwestern University School of Law tries to answer that question. In the last 23 years, more than 2,000 people have been convicted of serious crimes and later exonerated, according to the National Registry of Exonerations. By far, the largest segment was almost 1,200 defendants falsely convicted because of large-scale patterns of police corruption, generally in drug and gun cases. Of the remaining 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child sex abuse cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in a nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's authors.
And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight as we continue the two faces of Oprah Winfrey, but the beginning of a series when Hollywood remains silent in the face of injustice. Uh, as Pastor Banks alluded to during her conversation, it's not only Oprah Winfrey. We're talking about a huge number of people in the black community across this nation who have platforms at the highest level of communication, whether it's TV, radio, Hollywood, whatever you call it, have an opportunity to speak out against injustice. And the question tonight, why have so many people gone silent? Oprah Winfrey being one of them. Uh, and wanting to, as, wanting to act as if there's not an elephant in the room. The elephant's in the room, folks. And the elephants were in the room, the elephant, rather, was in the room during the interview with the Central Park Five. And whether people voiced it or not, where were you, Oprah Winfrey? Where were you? And when these folks were being interrogated, these, these children, I believe it was 1989, she was on the top of the entertainment world. As far as the platform, no excuse, no reason to remain silent. You have five boys wrongfully convicted, incarcerated. How scared those children had to be. Adults go to prison and are fearful, whether they say it or not, of the unknown that happens behind that wall, the parents, the anguish. There has to be accountability for those that will not speak. You are just as, and let me, let me paint this picture. If I go outside today and in my neighborhood, someone, one of my neighbors is being sexually assaulted. And I turn away and say nothing or do nothing or not even make a phone call to 911. I'm just as guilty, in my opinion, of the man that is sexually assaulting my neighbor because I failed to speak. I failed to call attention to that situation which perhaps would have stopped. Perhaps my life would not have been taken to the point that it is now. As people say, um, those kids will never be the same. They'll never be the same. Kendrick, your thoughts on what you've heard thus far on this show? I think about how they must feel that they're adult men and that their childhood was taken from them and how they feel about this country that they live in because you saw too early the real underbelly of this country and how bad and brutal it can be to its minority citizens, especially us, us black folks. I mean, what does a kid think that my voice is not heard. When I want to tell the truth, they tell me to lie. They, they offer me 
that, hey, we're going to let you go home. They lie to me, but they pay the price. The, the police officers are not going to see one day in jail. They're, they're given a microphone to this day to get on television and, and still to this day claim that those five boys are guilty with all this overwhelming evidence of their innocence. But these men have to live the rest of their lives basically jaded as to what was the so-called, as we, as the, we like to call it, the American dream. Well, what, what about their dream? You know, no one thought about what are these kids going to grow up one day and think about our justice system. When their own children ask them, Dad, uh, what about this justice system in this country? Is it fair? They have to tell them the raw truth. It's not. Right. So no one thinks of the consequences of when, when someone does this injustice as the prosecutors in this case and the officers. They don't care about, okay, when they look back and someone reviews this case, think about it. 20 years from now or 40 years now, we're all dead and gone, and they look at this case with the eyes of history, with no bias of what happened. What are they going to say? They're not going to speak kindly of you, and that's what pe- these prosecutors and officers should think about before they rush to judgment. What are they going to th- what about leaving behind? What are, what are people going to think about the actions I did? Because today they might believe you, but history tells another story because the truth still stands and lies fade away. No, absolutely right. And you know, what really gets me is as we talk more about this story, Linda Fairstein, the prosecutor in this case, is asking for sympathy. That people feel sorry for her, that her life is somehow in shambles. But at the same time, you ask for empathy, but you maintain your position against these men. You've learned nothing through this process. Let's hear a little bit about that. A painful chapter in New York City's history. Five young men wrongfully imprisoned for raping a jogger in Central Park. Retold on Netflix. We didn't see a lady or hit anyone. The miniseries triggering new backlash against one of the prosecutors behind the 1989 conviction. Linda Fairstein calls for boycotts of her crime novels. A petition getting more than 50,000 signatures. Fairstein's Twitter account deleted as anger boiled over with the trending hashtag cancel Linda Fairstein. Lester asked the men known as the Central Park Five specifically about the former sex crimes prosecutor and her team. Linda Fairstein and others who were involved in the prosecution, they haven't retreated a step. I don't, no apology all the time we did for something we didn't do and it hurts. They still think they were guilty. So how do we hear when we're constantly in a state of defending ourselves? When a serial rapist admitted to the crime in 2002 and his DNA was a match, the five men had their convictions vacated. They accused detectives of coercing confessions from them. To this day, Fairstein defends the prosecution's conduct and the decision to pursue the case, now calling the Netflix miniseries grossly and maliciously inaccurate, misrepresenting the facts in an inflammatory and inaccurate manner while one of the men wrongfully convicted had this to say to TMZ. Even though it's 30 years later, she has to pay for her crime. They made us lie. The anger over what they lived through, never far from the surface, now tapped into once again. Stephanie Gosk, NBC News, New York.
Well, there you have it. Linda Fairstein maintaining this tragedy as justified. That is unbelievable. How in the world? They just said the gentleman who raped this woman confessed to it. His DNA, which DNA does not lie, matched. And you're still sitting up somewhere talking about we did the right thing? You are sick. Samson, your thoughts? Yeah, I've I've read the article about Miss um, Fairstein and how, you know, um, she's trying to you know downplay the series. How you know she wants to call it wildly inflammatory, probably because she's been kicked off of, of the boards of uh, several companies that she was on. She's been canceled by her publisher. She's been booted off. You know, collegiate boards and stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is, her life wasn't stolen from her. She trumped up a case against five boys at the time and doesn't have the intestinal fortitude or integrity to come out and publicly apologize to five men whose lives she basically, no, not basically, she, she ruined their lives. She put out a blanket call for all black men in Central Park that night and then railroaded five kids into prison sentences, treated them and put them in adult situations, you know, all of them without their parents at some point in time. And she, she can't come out and just say that and truly mean that she's sorry, that she's wrong. No, with all the compiling evidence that's out there like you said dna doesn't lie the man confessed yes i'm a serial rapist yes he confessed it's uh mr matthias said yeah i did it all that and your pride your ego your so overinflated sense of self-worth won't let you be a human being for five minutes and say gentlemen i did you wrong not gonna happen and going back to the relation here uh, with Oprah Winfrey's refusal to apologize to the Central Park Five. Same thing. Here's what she did. Oprah Winfrey's persistent questioning five years ago, this was 2007, of the Central Park jogger who was sexually assaulted in 1989 has suddenly returned to the public eye in an interview. Miss Melly said that she was astounded at the line of questioning in which Miss Winfrey pressed her to explain why she would jog alone in Central Park at 10 o'clock at night. Ms. Melly told the, the, uh, told the folks here, she, and I quote her, if she were to ask me that question now, I'd say if that isn't a blame the victim question, I don't know what is. Because that's exactly what it feels like. So it's like, okay, so it's my fault that I was out there. And what about all those young men who were out there at that time? I think that's still one of the most difficult battles that sexual assault survivors and those who support them need to fight. Now, rather than Oprah Winfrey being Oprah being true as a human being and come out and speak herself, her magazine gives a statement, stating in a it said in a statement that she never intended any offense and noted the talk show host's long advocacy on behalf of victims of sexual abuse 
We're sorry to hear Miss Melly felt this way about her 2000 interview with Miss Winfrey. The magazine said in a statement, Oprah Winfrey is and has always been an advocate for victims of sexual abuse of any kind. Why can't Oprah Winfrey come out and say something? The magazine speaks for you. The magazine says Miss Winfrey has been. This is why nobody believes you. And, and you know, it's another point, too. Uh, it says she has a long history of, of, of supporting being an advocate for sexual abuse survivors. But it doesn't say she also has a long history of being a uh, civil rights uh, supporter, uh, a justice supporter, wrongly convicted. No. None of that. So, But she, she takes the opportunity whenever she can get her face on the camera. That's what it's about. So she's not going to get her face on the camera to apologize, Miss Mielli, to anybody. And if you wanted to do it, you would say, look, Miss Mielli, come on my show. I want to say to you in front of America that I'm sorry. That's what's real. That's what sends a statement. You can't do it, Miss Winfrey. You know why? Because the American people are going to see right through you, as we do with the Central Park Five. One of our team members actually went, I believe, is on Instagram, uh, where Miss Winfrey was out there getting ready to have a discussion. One of our team members wrote to her, Miss Oprah, where were you when the Central Park Five needed you the most? She immediately logged out of the room. Immediately. Why is that? Why can't you answer that question? William, your thoughts? You know, this is, um, I mean, this is just a really tragic thing to really think about, that, that someone takes the opportunity uh, to ride the coattails of somebody else's pain. I mean, she didn't apologize to, to the jogger nor to the Central Park Five. She just ran the stories, and now she's made the movie, and she's, you know, smiling in front of the camera, and she's just happy with her life. And it, it doesn't even think about the consequences or the ramifications of what she could have done differently or, or what she may have said or and to well, Kendrick had read a little excerpt of the interview, you know, how she tried to egg her on to, to stimulate this emotion about, you know, these guys and what they did to you as, you know, and, and it's just, it's amazing that someone could be this manipulative and just to seek the limelight so much or the dollar so much that people's lives don't even matter. The guy's story doesn't even matter. The money now that they have money, the pastor had said, you know, now they have money. Okay, now you want to tell their story. Now you want to befriend them. You know, where were you in 2002? Where were you in 2003, Oprah? Where were you in 2004 when these men were trying to readjust back to society, trying to forget what had happened to them behind behind bars? Forgetting what had happened to them, how they end up in that situation. They're looking for someone to just listen to them as a city, a state, and part of a nation probably had turned against them because of the polarizing nature of the story. Where were you? Where were you when they they cried out for help? Where were you? And that's what I think about. I think about this. I was even looking at at, uh, I ran across an article here from the New Yorker that talked about, you know, the events 
that happened during that time. It said the public hysteria that met the attack was, is difficult to convey to anyone who, who was not in the city to witness it. It was, in fact, the worst of a string of, of serious assaults committed in the park that night. From the onset, it was framed by dynamics of race and class. The article continues, and this, is, this was a really telling thing. And this is the New, the New Yorker that, that published this. It says, there were 28 other actual or attempted first-degree rapes in the city that week. But almost all of those victims were black or Latino women, and none of their cases generated the citywide outrage that the Central Park uh, attack did. While headlines demanded justice for Mailey, who was an investment uh, investment banker for Solomon Brothers, uh, the case the case of a 38 year old woman, black woman, who was raped and thrown off of a roof of a building in Brooklyn was treated as something of a footnote. Now that tells you what was going on, the city, the hysteria, and the media around this one case. And you, Oprah Winfrey, had a had and ha- still has a national platform that could have exposed this injustice, could have allowed the guys the opportunity to speak. And here we are. The most amazing thing to me, we're sitting here in 2019. They were exonerated in, in uh, 2002, 17 years, not a peep. 17 years of living with this injustice, 17 years of living with this story, what, waiting to be told. Why now? Well, and, and that's the question a lot of people actually have right now. Vaccinate writes this from social media, Twitter. I hear Oprah interview with the Central Park Five. I hope she apologized for being a part of the media circus who proclaimed their guilt. Oprah suggested she was going along with public opinion. That doesn't jive. She's a journalist who ought to be about investigating. She's not. Um... Sophia uh, Lish writes, Oprah is an evil person. She would never speak about her rapist friend, Harvey Weinstein. Oprah sold her soul a long time ago. I mean, these are, again, thoughts from the public. So it's not about a just cause singling Oprah out. We are calling her to accountability. That if you are the opposite, Miss Oprah Winfrey is more than welcome to come on this show. We welcome her. Come on the show. Tell our listeners across this country why you've done what you've done. Own it. No pun intended. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? 
the United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call 1-855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. The United States of America incarcerates more people than any other country in the world. In fact, the U.S. hosts more prison inmates than all other developed nations combined. As of 2010, the world population was over 6.8 billion people, with an estimated 9.8 million in jail. This figure, compiled by the International Center for Prison Studies, refers both to individuals held in jail awaiting trial and inmates serving time after sentencing. So there are 9.8 million human beings on planet Earth living inside of cages that we know of. In 2010, the U.S. was home to about 309 million people, 4.5% of the world's total population, but housed 23% of the world's prisoners. So take a moment to think about what this means. It means we imprison more people than enormous autocratic countries like China. We imprison more people than Russia. Compared to the size of our population, our rate of imprisonment dwarfs our closest allies, like the United Kingdom, France, and Canada. As of 2010, there were over 1.6 million post-trial inmates serving sentences in America's state and federal facilities. This number does not include those being detained pre-trial or those on probation. The most unique feature of incarceration in America is the large and active role of our federal government. In most countries, crime is reacted to at the local or regional level, whereas the American government finances and legislates a significant portion of law enforcement at the national level. State governments still do their fair share of incarceration, though. California and Texas incarcerate more than other states, with over 171,000 inmates each. Florida is a close third, with over 103,000 prisoners. But no single state locks up more people than the federal government, with over 208,000 inmates. Perhaps the nickname Land of the Free, Home of the Brave, should be updated. Though I suppose you need to be brave to endure the highest likelihood of incarceration the world has ever known. Prisons are not what we think about when we think of America, and they shouldn't have to be. A free nation shouldn't imprison so many people, and a fiscally responsible nation can't afford to. With close to $40 billion a year in state correctional spending, the financial costs are obvious and staggering alone. But the human costs are often underappreciated. 1.6 million fathers and mothers brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of American families are incarcerated. It's time for people to realize that the criminal justice system in America is desperately in need of reform.
equality. I stand for individuality. I stand for peace. I stand for diversity. I stand for dignity. I stand for respect. I stand for fairness. Ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight is this has been interesting and very informative information as we kick off the series tonight when Hollywood remains silent and in the eyes of injustice. Tonight our focus, Oprah Winfrey, America's talk show queen as they called her or crowned her, has failed uh, to act responsibly in the eyes of injustice. I'll tell you right now, doing an interview with the Central Park Five will not exonerate you from your acts of silence. When these young men were young boys at that time, told by prosecutor Linda Fairstein to round up every black um, And Central Park. That's whether you're having a barbecue that night, a cookout, perhaps an evening with your wife, walking the trail. If you're black, round them up as cattle because they are suspects in the rape of this young white woman. An interview does not fix that. A hog on a stage for a photo op does not fix that. No apology. Oprah Winfrey's friend, Gail King, at least said she owed the Central Park Five an apology because she believed them to be everything that was written about these boys. At least she made the step and took responsibility to say, I'm sorry. That's better than the acts of her friend, Oprah Winfrey. It's unacceptable. We've been talking about Linda Fairstein. We're going to play a clip right now for you where the Central Park Five prosecutor resigns in disgrace. Let's hear it. When you do dirt, you can't run. No matter how long it is, the truth comes out. And even though it's 30 years later, she has to pay for her crime. That is Raymond Santana right there. He is a member of the Central Park Five, a group of men now being referred to as the Exonerated Five. And he's talking about a woman named Linda Fairstein, a longtime New York City prosecutor. Um, she was the sex crimes prosecutor. She didn't exactly prosecute their case officially, but she oversaw the interrogation and if you saw when they see us or if you saw the pbs documentary on the central park five you know a lot about her and know that she played a huge part in putting these five at the time little boys behind bars and now the 
series on Netflix, Ava DuVernay's docu-series. I guess it's not really a docu-series, it's just a, a drama series about the Central Park Five. Uh, there's new backlash, renewed backlash against Fairstein, and she has been dropping out of boards. She's been sitting on these boards for years, and now she's resigning. There are reports that she's being pushed from these boards, but we do know on Tuesday, the president of Vassar College actually posted a letter on his website saying Fairstein had resigned as a board of trustees member, saying this, I am told that Ms. Fairstein felt that given the recent widespread debate over her role in the Central Park case, she believed that her continuing as a board member would be harmful to Vassar. And the Victim Services Agency, Safe Horizon, also confirmed Fairstein's resignation on Tuesday, thanking her for decades of pioneering work on behalf of victims of sexual assault and abuse. Fairstein said she was forced to act due to what she's calling mob mentality reaction to the Netflix series, which led to hashtag cancel Linda Fairstein, a movement on social media that included pledges to withhold donations to Safe Horizon. And she says each of these organizations does great work. She said it's so foolish of bullies to punish the charity. She also called it totally pig-headed and stupid. Uh, here's the other side of this, because a former Safe Horizon employee said Fairstein's involvement had long been a contentious issue among staffers, but that repeated complaints to the agency's leadership were ignored. And there's a, a little bit more to this, but I want to get your thoughts. I just want to make a quick point about the use of the phrase mob mentality, mm -hmm. which I see happen over and over again these days, especially among the right wing in America, where one of them will do something that's obviously unethical, immoral, you know, damaging to a certain group of people or a specific person. And then once they face the consequences, the rightful consequences for those actions, they'll go ahead and brush aside the cr uh, critics as, oh, they're part of a mob mentality. Here's the thing. All things dark come to light. That is one of my favorite quotes. Mm -hmm. I don't know who originally said it, but it's true. What happened to those young men was absolutely disgusting. It destroyed their, their you know, their, their lives, lives. Yeah. period. It destroyed their lives. And more importantly, okay, when you look at our entire justice system, what happened to those young men is, is not uncommon. It's not an isolated incident. And there is a systemic issue that needs to be dealt with, and it needs to be dealt with immediately. There is a two-tier justice system. We do have a problem with targeting innocent people of color and putting them behind bars when they have not committed a crime. And what, the, what that does is not only ruin their lives, but it also allows the real culprit to go out there and commit more crimes, more rape, more murder, and that is certainly what happened in this case. That is absolutely what happened in this case, and we talked about it earlier this week. That is exactly what happened in this case. There is a, there's a young woman and two young men who don't have their mother anymore because exactly. the real Central Park attacker went on to kill their mother because he was a serial rapist whose DNA was at the crime scene. And in not continuing to look for who actually did it, and, uh, you know, from all accounts, except for a fair scene, the, all of the evidence led to one attacker, not five. That's right. That's right. And also, look, I know it's human nature to want to get defensive when you've been wrong, but it would be far more, I think, <clears throat> not admirable, that's for sure, but at least uh, it would be respectful to come forward and say, you know what, I had biases that got in the way of me doing my job effectively. I feel horrible 
that this is what happened to these young men. I apologize. But she doesn't want to apologize. She doesn't want to take uh, any type of accountability or responsibility for what she did. And I think that, you know, facing these consequences is just what you should expect after you did your job so poorly that it really did ruin these young men's lives. Yeah, and let's get to a little bit of her reaction because, you know, Ava DuVernay, she put together um, this four-episode series on Netflix about these men and telling a lot of different aspects of the story that we don't talk about, that we have a lot of information that we haven't really heard about. And she wanted everyone involved. She wanted to hear, she wanted to be able to talk to everyone involved. I think most of this was built upon the actual facts and then firsthand accounts of the experiences of these men who were children at the time. But Ava actually said, she reached out to Linda Fairstein, and Linda Fairstein tried to negotiate. She said, I don't know if I've told anyone this, but she tried to negotiate conditions for her to speak with me, including approvals over the script and some other things. So you know what my answer was to that. We didn't talk. So she had an opportunity to, you know, somewhat play a part in this and to be honest and to be sorry. And she didn't. And Raymond Santana, we, you saw him earlier in this segment, but we're going to go back to him because he's talking about a little bit about how she has not apologized. She has continuously repeated the same narrative. There has been no correction on her behalf whatsoever. She has actually changed her story, I think, at one point to saying, okay, yes, DNA proves Mateus uh, Reyes was at the scene Mm -hmm. and committed the rape. But I think those other boys were involved. What? It's ridiculous. But take a look at what what else he has to say. You know, she has to pay the consequence. And, And, you know, back in 1989, when we were given these censuses, these censuses weren't just prison censuses. They, we were given a social death. You know, Trump wanted to execute us. Um, and, and it's through the grace of God that we're here today. So at the end of the day, I'm not looking for an apology. And I think my brothers aren't either. But it's out of our hands. And I think that touches on a little bit of what you're saying, how mm-hmm. this didn't just um, put them in jail for a few years. It's ruined their entire lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of these little boys was sent to men's prison. What we know is, you know, what's more dangerous? And, mm-hmm. and you know, and not only, you know, the, what this did in terms of putting them in prison and, and robbing them of any opportunity they could have had in, in having a great life, but it also, you know, I'm sure traumatized them as, as people who were, interrogated in the way that they were, mm-hmm. right? Like those interrogations, their parents weren't it's able to get their families. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And imagine, imagine knowing that there are people in your life, you know, possibly friends, possibly family members who bought the narrative that you committed this crime. Right. Right. So I many people can't did. imagine what they yeah. went through. I, I can't imagine. So look, the only group of people I've seen stand by Fairstein are her publishers. She writes children's books, and so they're standing by her side and, and refusing to, you know, are, are going to continue doing business with her. It is what it is. But for the consequences she is facing today, I think they're well-deserved. Yeah. And honestly, they're disproportionate in comparison to what the Central Park Five or the Central Park, uh, you know, what, what did you say? Exonerated? exonerated five. Yeah, the exonerated yeah, five had had to go through. Yeah, I agree. This is nothing. And you were saying something earlier about how, like, it, I think it's human nature to get defensive. But we're not talking, and I think that's right. Mm-hmm. The thing is that I think it is also, it should be human nature when, because, you know, like, um, 
depending on who you're talking to, when someone you love mm-hmm. calls you out on something, you get defensive, but it is easier to listen. That's right. Right? That's right. And so I think weigh that with um, just kind of, what am I trying to say? Just the, the, the level of, of what has happened yeah. to these boys and just having that on your heart as an outsider. We're seeing what happened to them and our hearts going on to them. And so it's bizarre to me that she can't even, as much as you want to be defensive, just look at what they went through. Well, there you have it. Uh, breaking down the story as it needs to be done. Uh, this is one of those things here. As they begin to dissect the story, it's it's a nightmare. It's a complete nightmare. Dennis, your closing thoughts on that one? Yeah, this is this has been rough. Uh, when you think about the uh, how they vilified these young men, and then how. Uh, Someone we, 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 we thought was uh, about the people uh, in Oprah Winfrey uh, is just sad. I mean, they vilified these kids. They made them look like animals and, uh, and still no apology. I mean, come on. I mean, uh, hey, something. I, I'm glad the story is out now. I'm glad we're, we're being able to discuss it and let people know that, hey, this is what really happened. I mean, you got one, you got Oprah on two stages. A stage against them and a stage for them. Come on. What, what is that? But anyway, uh, that's my thoughts on, yep. on the show tonight. It's been great. Samson. Yeah, I think um, this this really has been a hard-hitting show. If this doesn't wake up people to the fact that Hollywood is truly turning a blind eye to our society. I mean, look, the example that we brought tonight, Oprah Winfrey. She's been in the limelight for over three decades. And yet when she was needed the most for five innocent children that needed a platform, they needed a voice because no one was speaking up for them and they were being railroaded, she did absolutely nothing. And I just think it's criminal and she needs to she needs to use her stage to publicly apologize and do more. Well, good luck with that one. I believe that, that I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, we'll see if it happens. Uh, AJC Radio will continue the Just Cause organization, to call out folks who stand on a box and claim to be advocates. You're not an advocate. And how in the world does the prosecutor write children's books? She needs to write one on the Central Park Five abuse of children. Because that's what she's guilty of. And I'll tell you right now, this series continues when Hollywood remains silent in the eyes of injustice. We'll be dealing with that next Tuesday. But make no mistake about it, there are some heroes in the Hollywood spectrum that's doing some things. We will visit them, talk about what they're doing, but in contrast, If they can do it, why have the others chosen to remain silent? This is AJC Radio. Good night, America. Till next time.
I'm so happy and ecstatic that we can start the conversation now to make sure there will no, never be another country talk by. In When They See Us Now, Oprah sits down with the five men, four African-American and one Hispanic, who were wrongfully convicted of raping a white woman in New York City's Central Park in 1989. The hour-long special is an accompaniment to When They See Us, the Netflix miniseries that tells the story of their trial and eventual exoneration. They said if I went along with it, that I could go home, and that's all I wanted. It is bitter to be, because watching this is painful, mm. but it's necessary. Netflix US says the drama has been the most watched series on their platform ever since the day it premiered on May 31st. Now, the cast and producers discussed the making of the project, including Nisi Nash, who plays the mother of Corey Wise. You began your research to played Corey's mother, you were telling me this just last night, by calling Corey's mother. What was that conversation like? Her pain was so palpable. It was like right at the surface. It was tough. It was tough. And the show continues to make headlines. Following the heavy backlash for her role in the Central Park Five trial, prosecutor Linda Fairstein published an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal calling her portrayal an outright fabrication. She's portrayed in the miniseries by Felicity Huffman, who of course is embroiled in her own legal scandal, having pled guilty to mail fraud in the U.S. college admissions case. While much of the cast was submitted for Emmy consideration, Felicity was not one of them. Meanwhile, in a new Hollywood Reporter roundtable, director Ava DuVernay reveals she feared being pigeonholed to social justice stories following her success with Selma and the Netflix doc 13th. But she says ultimately she feels drawn to stories about truth. You're interested in these things mm-hmm. and whether or not that puts you in a pigeonhole in the industry or you become a role model or whatever. You like this and so do it for yourself. 